Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of the GeoMob Podcast. We are here today to celebrate our 200th episode. I am joined, of course, by my co-host, Stephen Feldman. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Ed. What a great day. What a great day indeed. And um, to, for this momentous occasion, we thought we'd switch things up a little bit and have ourselves be interviewed or, or have the conversation led by a fellow geospatial podcaster, uh, Max Lenormand, who is, you, of course, you should all know from the Maps Behind Mod, the Minds, Minds Behind Maps podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm quite nervous, even after 200 episodes. I'm <laughs> so, welcome to the podcast, Max. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm quite excited to be here and celebrate this with you guys. Maybe very briefly for those that don't listen to your podcast, even though they they should. So, I, I um, wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, maybe very briefly introduce yourself. Yeah. So I'm a I'm a geospatial data scientist, but I also, as you mentioned, host the Minds Behind Maps podcast, where I also interview a bunch of people in geospatial, but maybe a bit more broadly, just doing anything related to maps or satellite imagery. Um, so that includes authors, policymakers, engineers, all that stuff. Well, we're excited to have you here, Max. Even though you're a uh a plucky newcomer with only 50 episodes on your channel. I mean, that's yeah, hold, child's play, child's play. We also ought to say that um, I interviewed Max a, a way back. I can't remember the episode number, but uh, we'll put it in the show notes. It was a great interview talking about podcasting, and uh, Max's podcasts are a very different thing to ours. They're, they're much longer. The first one I listened to was, I think, Two hours long or three hours long, I can't remember. It was awesome. Um, took me a while to listen to it, but it was great. And uh, we're really glad to have you here, Max. Thank you. Yeah, me too. And I want to uh, extend, you know, a big congrats to you guys. 200 episode is, uh, is a big feat. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, first of all, I think it's, it's good to take a moment to celebrate things. Uh, it's very easy to be in the, in the day-to-day all the time. And I think, yeah, you guys have done a, a really cool job with the podcast and the events as well. Um, I'm sure we're going to get more into that. Indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, congrats, Stephen. Well done to us. Well done to us. Uh, just, who, who'd have thought that uh, a pandemic and a lockdown would be, this, would be saved by a podcast? Indeed, indeed. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a great... That we've been able to broaden the the GeoMob uh, community to those who can't actually make it to the events. Of course, this is fantastic. Um, we should take a brief second to to mention all to say thank you to all the guests, I guess, who have come on the um, come on the show over the years, and of course to our editor Fred, who helps us produce the episodes, and and everyone else who's involved in making the GeoMob episode, uh, events a, a big success. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. And. I think we also need to say thank you to you, Ed, because actually you're the driving force. I'm sort of the the guy who shovels a bit of coal into the engine, but you're definitely the driving force behind this. And the whole podcast was your idea. Yes, because um, 
Well, basically, I was tired of two things. One, I was tired of people always complaining that they couldn't make it to the events and couldn't see the talks. Um, and so then, again and again, people would say, oh, can you make a video? Can you make a video? The problem with making videos is it's a lot of work to do well. And, and requires equipment, of course, and microphones, if, if you really want to do it well so that you capture the audio. Um, and that, that just logistically wasn't possible. So the podcast was, I, I hoped, a much simpler way that we could open up the, the discussion to, to people all around the world. Um, and that seems to have worked out. Um, yeah, and the other point was... Um, as anyone who listens to the podcast knows, you know my day-to-day -day role at OpenKit working on geocoding. Obviously, it's it's there's a lot of glamour and excitement there, <laughs> but but at times it can be a little monotonous always working on geocoding. So GeoMob is the way to you know to to meet interesting people doing cool things all across the geospatial world, and and that regard has worked, I think. And one of the things that I've enjoyed about recording the podcast over. What is it? It must be four years, I guess, since we started. Well, three. We started right before. It's about three and a half. Three, three, yeah. three and a half. We started uh, February 2020. Right. Right before COVID. So one of the things that I've enjoyed, though, has been the, the opportunities we get to share progress, problems, little anecdotes about the projects that we've been working on. And you talk about Open Cage, and I talk about Mapri. And... Just a little plug, if I'm allowed, that today is Mapri's fifth birthday. Actually, as we're recording, it's five years of posting silly pictures of maps from all over the world. Um, nearly 2,000 images we've posted since we started. So, um, you know, time flies, you know, side projects flourish, businesses flourish. Um, yeah, it's been a great few years. Well done. Congrats. Congrats all involved. Yeah, I think this is one of the things that we mentioned we wanted to talk about. I'm very curious about what you guys think about this is, is making things that last and um, having a bit of a like a practice in something that gets repeated. You guys have put out 200 episodes. It started uh, three years ago. Two, three and a half. Three and a half, something like that. Um, the project, Stephen, you've been working on, you know, five years Ed, I don't know how old Open Cage is. Uh, well, it started within a different company, but the, you know the the key idea started almost ten years ago now. I guess not. Okay, years ten ago. years ago. So, how? What, what is? So maybe like we can focus it first on on the podcast. But like, what has allowed you to go for two hundred episodes, two hundred conversations? You know, there's these stats that like. Most podcasts have like three episodes, something like that. <laughs> 200 is starting to get into the very serious territory. So at first it started, Ed, you mentioned, as a way to get people from the events as well uh, onto and talking. But you guys also just talk together. What what keeps you going? Uh, well, I think you have to... I mean, the, what keeps me going is basically the, the conversations, of course, meeting the interesting people and, and getting the chance to learn about their projects. But... I think the real key is you've got to find ways to make it, to minimize the work, to make it very repeatable, to make it, um, to figure out which pieces are causing stress and friction and just get rid of them, outsource I them. I think keeping it simple, but also keeping it fun. You know, 
this is a voluntary project, you know, and we've been, you know, we've recorded 200 episodes, you know, how many, um, hundreds of hours, I'm not sure. Um, if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to keep doing it. You know, no one's paying us. We don't have sponsors. So it's got to be fun. And part of that means just keeping it really, really simple. So um, we have a simple formula. We're not as rigorous and organized and formal maybe as you are, Max, but the simple formula means that we can, once we've identified somebody that we want to talk with, um, it's maybe half an hour's work beforehand to prepare for the recording with the communications backwards and forwards. And then we just get online and we record and we keep it simple. We don't do retakes. You know, we always say to people, what, it'll come out exactly as you as you say it. Um, if it's terrible, we can try and find a way to edit it. But the idea is that it's just a natural conversation. Um, and sometimes it's not easy to keep this thing going. Um, you know, sometimes uh, you know it's you get tired. You've got loads of other things going on, and. Yes, 200 episodes is quite a lot. I think the main key is finding ways to keep the process simple, to to avoid all frictions along the path and and really streamlining the process and finding ways not to get burned out because otherwise you definitely will get burned out. Um, and so as an example, Max, we do, you know, your podcast has such a high production value. You have, I mean, of course, you're doing you're not just the podcast, but you're doing video as well. But also you have really nice graphics and things that you put out on social media and, and, and clips and things. We don't do any of that. We don't do any of that because it just it all adds up to create more work. Um, so and, and this is actually an ethos that we took over from the GeoMob events in the, anyone who's been to the event knows that. The, the, it's not about the production value of the event. It's about, let's keep it simple, let's hear some interesting talks, and let's hang out. Um, and so that's kind of the same exact motto that we took in, in making the podcast. And it's more about the consistency and keeping it going rather than any one event or podcast you know, being spectacular. And I think it's also important that it's fun. You know, I, I think sometimes... You know, if it becomes a burden, then why on earth are you doing it? You know, we're not paid, we're not sponsored. Um, this has to be fun. And part of that is keeping it simple, like you said, Ed. Uh, so we've got it into quite a good formula now. Uh, we can record episodes with about 30 minutes time, 40 minutes time in advance of preparation, communications with the guests and things like that, and then just come online and record, pass it over to Fred, our marvellous editor, and somehow he makes the sound good. Sometimes he can't, but most of the time he does. Um, so on that, I'm. this is something that I find broader than the podcast. I think it's for projects in general. But let, let's keep on the lens of the podcast. Why did you decide that this was going to be a, a volunteer, a community project where there isn't any, um, there there isn't any sponsors? There aren't any sponsors. You guys aren't making money from this. This really is something that that's volunteered, like 
maybe more akin to an open source project, but in a sense for a podcast for sharing with the community. And I think that's that's quite interesting because for me, I just released, uh, as we mentioned earlier, I just released my 50th episode. I did a, a bit of a behind the scenes uh, episode as well, where I talked about the fact that this for me, making the podcast is a business. I really am thinking about it in terms of a business. And so that's why I'm trying to up the production quality and up the reach and things like that because I'm also making some money that I can reinvest a little bit. And it's not that one is better than the other. I think it's just a choice on how you uh, approach it. And I'm very curious as to, for you guys, how did you decide this is not going to be a part of the businesses that we run, but it's going to be this community project that is easy to run so that we can keep going and is fun. So we're, that's what keeps us going. So I think... Ed can probably talk first to the motivations behind the whole GeoMob project. Because um, GeoMob as a project has now been running for, what is it, nearly 15 years, Ed? Nearly 15 years, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I guess, first of all, it was more just, it, it was rather than an active decision of we don't want sponsors, it was more just let's do the minimum amount that's needed. And as I'm sure you can attest, Max, like getting sponsors, convincing them, you know, chasing invoices, that's all work. That's all work you have to do. Um, and, you know, so it's always how can we minimize the work? Uh, also, then you do kind of feel a commitment. Of, you know, we do have sponsors at the at the in person events because mm -hmm. because we 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 have actual costs. The the, the cost being the the drinks that we pay for, um, and so I was familiar a little bit with the effort that's required there, um, and you know, it's just yet another task that you have to deal with. The good thing is with the podcast, the costs are very minimal. Uh, we don't. I mean, of course, we have a podcast hoster, and and we we pay an editor and stuff. But but it's really quite. Um, it's manageable. It's manageable. Uh, and I didn't want to feel like oh now we have to put ads in the in the podcast or something like that. You know, as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, it's it, it can be annoying when the ads come in. Particularly, it, either the ads are not relevant, in which case it's very annoying, or the ads are relevant, which is great. But then, then you need to find then you you need to find the sponsors that make sure it's relevant. You need to help the sponsor. You know you need to have a dialogue with the sponsor of how are we going to make the ad relevant and, and things like that. So then that costs time and effort. Um, so it's just just one more thing you have to do and that we didn't want to do. So and as you as you correctly note, I do think it it goes, the ethos of GeoMob is we want to we just want to hear about interesting projects that people are up to. And those projects could be uh, artistic in nature, they could be hobbyists, they could be open source, they could be closed source, they could be a big company or whatever, but it's about the projects. And I don't want to get that, you know, then you always have the question of like, if I take a sponsor, you know, do we feature the the project of their competitor or not? Or, it, you know, it, it, it's just, I don't want to deal with these kind of conflicts and issues. Right. So. And ultimately we have one, main sponsor which is open cage yeah i mean i guess in theory it is uh, obviously my time is paid for by my company we my, my company pays the cost of of the of the the, the hosting right. and things like that so to, in that regard yes it is sponsored by my company 
Um, that being said, you know, we have the occasional episode where we talk about our projects, but it's not like we're trying to shove geocoding down people's throats or whatever in every episode. Just I, I tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> so you can't force feed geocoding to people. So, um, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, that's that's interesting because I I, I think about uh, maybe to go on why I decided to go more on on the business approaches. I I think the the conversations are something that I want to keep doing for the long run. But the fact that it brings in money makes it a lot easier to justify that time down the line as well. So I do agree that it it means that it's more work, but it means that it's easier to justify the work in in a way. It, it still doesn't make money, really. I'm still losing money on it at the moment, but it makes it a lot easier because I can see the trend towards this is something that can be sustainable. And then once it becomes financially sustainable, I have the sense at least that it means that I can keep doing these for a lot longer down the line. I feel like it makes it a little bit easier to justify it over the long run. And so that's why I was just curious to understand how you guys are thinking about it. But uh, again, I, I think those are, especially for podcasts, there's like such a variety of huge media companies that are making these and then like small projects like that. You shouldn't underestimate the lockdown. Um, lots of podcasts sprung up during the lockdown and most of them vanished within weeks or something. Um, I mean, the lockdown was so important for us because Ed was talking to me I can't remember, the back end of 2019, the very beginning of 2020, about this idea of a podcast. And I think we we recorded our first one or two conversations um, before lockdown happened. But basically, the whole thing grew through lockdown. And it was just a wonderful therapy for both of us. You know, you're stuck indoors. There was a time when you couldn't even go out walking, you know, in the local neighborhood and you're stuck indoors and we had the podcast every week and at the beginning a lot of it was Ed and me um and it was just a a therapy for us you know and it carried on you know and um I'm not sure we would have got this thing going if there hadn't have been a lockdown (laughs) strangely you know so it's been good for us Tell me a little bit about what are some of the favorite memories that you guys have, or maybe favorite episodes uh, or or moments of of the GeoMobs events. If you if you look back, you know, again, this is a bit of a celebratory moment. I think it's nice to look back and what are some things that come to mind of of highlights of doing this. Well, I have to say the the events stand out a lot more just because it's it's a physical interaction right not the one problem with the podcast is it's just you know it's it, it, it's kind of me in my spare bedroom just talking into a microphone and so you don't create the memories as much um the things that stand out i quite enjoy the episodes where steven and i talk about our projects you know just because it's a long-running thread um the other thing that stands out for me is very similarly to the events is that we invite all these different people on the podcast or to speak at the event or people volunteer um, and that's wonderful and then you go into it with an expectation where you think oh I, this you know this is going to be really interesting right like this project is really exciting they're doing really cool cutting edge stuff or whatever or oh this sounds you know uh, 
And often it's not the case. It, it, it's, it's not the case that the project is what makes it interesting. It's the level of enthusiasm that the person has for the project. And so often, you know, you have people who, where the topic looks very dry and boring, and they make it interesting because they're so passionate about it. And then you have other cases where you really think like, oh my God, you know, this is such a big brand or such a big name and it's just gonna be a, a great conversation and great presentation. But for whatever reason, it falls a bit flat because the person isn't able to convey the excitement. Um, and that's one thing, that's, that's for me also why I personally really like casting a very wide net in terms of the guests or the speakers, because you never know. You never know ahead of time which conversation is going to be is going to be good and exciting, and um, or to you know draw some key insight. Uh, and and so the only thing is to do them is to to give everyone a chance and to do the conversation and see what comes out. So, I I've, I've got the list of interviewees up on a screen next to me and I was just quickly glancing at it and the first thing that I noticed was that there are lots of my friends on there right I mean <laughs> which is is not surprising but actually it's how many of my friends are on there these are people that I really know I value you know we we get together we laugh we go to weddings together we celebrate we and all of that and and then they come on and they talk about interesting things um that they're doing at work you know but i know what they're doing and um those conversations are great fun um but then there are all these people that i didn't know before they came on the podcast and sometimes like ed says they're really surprising you know you get um what one of the things that we've done a few episodes with is with artists artists who are doing something creative with maps or cartographers, you know, and um, there's nothing more incongruous than trying to get to do a podcast about visual art. You know, the, the two things don't go together. You know, you want to show examples and everything. And it's fascinating talking to these artists and recording with them. And sort of like you said, Max, the conversation goes more to them and their motivation and their personal story than actually trying to describe their work. You know, you actually have to just link to their work in the show notes and tell people to go look at it if they can whilst they're listening to the podcast. Um, so those have been some of my real favourites, you know. Um, I'm, I'm reluctant to name people because there are 200 people on this list or 180 people on this list um, excluding Ed and me and I don't want to call out people but the artists that I've recorded with have been some of the most fantastic episodes and we've had scoops yeah we have had a few scoops we have had some big names in the industry or or you know, one topic that always does well is when we get people from the OpenStreetMap community, you know, which is quite a large community worldwide, and we, we get some of the bigger names from there, people doing interesting things. Um, I enjoy all those conversations. It, it each has its own appeal. I mean, the, there's, I enjoy the ones where we catch up, and, and because there you have the kind of the long-running thread, and hopefully, you know, I have had feedback from some listeners that they like kind of following the story over the years. Um, but you know, some of the best ones are, are the unknown ones, people who just volunteer or people who I, we know only very distantly and you kind of see, oh, this guy's doing some interesting project, you know, and, and then it, 
it kind of unfolds and you learn more and more about it and you're like, oh, that's really quite interesting. And I think one, one thing that I like in general, especially now that GeoMob is in more countries, you know, there are a lot of podcasts, or maybe this is my own limitation because I listen to a lot of podcasts in English. We have this sense, you know, within the tech world, there's definitely a bias towards kind of Silicon Valley, California, things coming out of the U.S. And I really like that we're getting people from all over now and, and getting, you know, there are people doing really innovative things everywhere. And, you know, th that we can focus some of these, some of these, uh, bring, bring the focus to some of these projects and conversations. Yeah. And I'd like to give a shout out to all the people who've come on the podcast where English isn't their first language. And some of them have been quite hesitant about coming on the podcast because, because of the standard of their English. And in most cases, their English is fantastic. Um, and compared to my ability to speak in any foreign language, um, it's just awesome. So, you know, I think it's fantastic that these people do this. Um, we are an English language podcast. We can't help that. But I, I want to offer respect to those people. The other thing that has been a theme for Ed and me, which has been we wanted to encourage diversity in all sorts of ways in the podcast. We're both really passionate about this, and it's bloody difficult. Um, it's just difficult to get, you know, you want to reach out and get people from different communities. Obviously, we want to get more women on. We want to get people from other backgrounds to come on, um, and it's difficult. Um, white men love talking. Um They'll fill the space if there's nobody else talking. And uh, we keep trying, and that's a work in progress, I'd say, at the moment. Um, yeah, that actually, I'd like to make a point on that as well, Stephen. It is very difficult, especially in combination with our ethos of uh, making things simple. And this, this goes for the events as well as the podcast. But, you know, this is a side project for us. So we don't have, you know, I don't have hours every day to invest in recruiting speakers or, or convincing speakers. And, and so largely we're driven, you know, people volunteer. And if someone volunteers, you know, they speak or they get on the podcast. However, that presents the challenge that many, many people of certain backgrounds are, you know, are less likely to volunteer. Um, and so then we face the conflict of, you know, I don't, I don't always just want the people who volunteer, and 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 I don't mean just gender-wise or anything like that, but you know, we we have many startup founders who volunteer because by definition they're trying to promote their startup, as they should. That's their job. But the podcast would be boring if we only had twenty episodes in a row of startup founders telling us how great their 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 startup is. So we need to have exactly the artists, the 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 open source projects, the the all these other things. But we don't have a lot of time and energy. I you know there are only so many hours in the day, and I can't go out and 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 cajole or and and beg and 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 chase people. We need people to volunteer, and so. To anyone listening, please, please volunteer. Or if you know of someone who should be on the podcast, please convince them to volunteer. 
Okay, we really need the help there. Um, so I don't know if you have similar issues, Max. Or I guess your podcast is a bit different because it's 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 lower volume. I think you'd only do an episode every two weeks, and and it's not um, it, it's it's a longer format. So I th I feel like you're you're putting in the effort to actively recruit uh, uh, the the guests. I guess. Yeah, I think this is something that um, at some point or another comes up uh, all the time. I think the, the there's a few differences on my end. Yeah, the part of making it simple for me has been doing it less often. So it's more work per episode, but I I put it uh, less often. I put it twice a month out, and I think you guys is once a week, if I understood correctly. So that means that there's uh, I only need to find basically twenty four people a year um, instead of fifty two. And I think for me, it's really just been like, who do I want to talk to? And that definition always changes because it's based on my interest. And it's always really been about, I, I want to talk to people who are doing different things. And that has expressed itself in so many different ways. Back to language, for example, I, I think... I've had a bit of a problem with some of the definitions of diversity. I'm French, and so I'd love to hear more people from France, for example. But the problem is France is notoriously terrible with its English level. I'm very lucky that I stand out in that sense. And I've had conversations with people in France, but their English is really bad. It's not just like, oh, they're shy. It's, it's just really, really bad. And it's been really complicated to think about, okay, there's these people that the English-speaking world hasn't had the chance to hear about, but I also know that if we record for an hour or two, it's going to be pretty painful as well. And so it's something that I'm still trying to figure out how to do, but mostly who comes on the podcast is who do I want to talk to? I haven't really been keeping track of any metrics of who do I talk about because I, I don't want to start playing that game, to, to be very honest. It's something that I've decided I'm going to I sit down for like a couple hours with people and I just want to talk to the people that I want to talk to. And it so happens that that casts a, a very wide net. I was in Taiwan a few months ago and I got to talk to people over there that I don't think I've ever been on a podcast before. And that was really interesting about how they're doing open data in a country like Taiwan that is completely different because I just wanted to talk to people like that. And so I, I, I do reach out to people a lot more and the compass that I use is just the curiosity that uh, kind of drives me. Yeah, I agree. It is dangerous to get into the game of, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, you know, kind of quotas or things like that. But but on the other hand, it is. It, it's also we have to we we have to do something. Otherwise, we end up, you know, which is as I said, you end up with a at the events. We'll have a panel of you know five startup founders who are all uh, roughly the same background, and you know that's also a bit boring. But I think one of the little benefits that we've got or advantages we've got is Ed and I have different interests different contacts, different friends. So, I mean, we tend to reach different people. And what I found really gratifying is that, you know, we're 200 episodes in. I can count on the fingers of one hand 
the number of people who've turned me down. Um, it's that small. You know, most people, if you ask them, would you like to come and record a podcast with me? They go, oh, that would be nice. And they're, they're flattered that we want them on the podcast. Um, it's surprising. You know, people think, people genuinely think it's a, a big deal or an honor or something special to be on the podcast, which is wonderful. You know, I mean, it means we've achieved something with the podcast um, and it makes it quite easy. You know, um, you know, I, you know, I think that um, whenever we reach out, we're successful. It's just a case of working out who you want to contact. And um, Twitter and Mastodon have been fantastic for that because you follow people, you see the conversations, you see their work, um, and then you can just message them and say, hey, do you fancy coming and doing a podcast with me? And nearly every time they say yes. So um, I think that's the way that we've sourced most of our people. You know, we stumble on them. Um, we're not we're not maybe as thoughtful as you, Max. We we just oh, it's the same thing for me, though. To be honest, it's it's really much the same thing. It's like finding yeah. interesting people. I've actually started asking people when I have them on the podcast at the end, who are interesting people that I should talk to that I don't know about. We, we're fortunate that we also have the events, and, and we have you know, been yeah. doing the events for 15 years, so we have a huge backlog of people from there, but very often what I do is you know, I use the event as a filter. At every event, we have four or five speakers. Usually, one or two of those really stand out as, as interesting projects where the, the speaker is very enthusiastic and able to convey the, their passion for the project, and so that's obviously a natural candidate to then come on the podcast. Yeah. So, I, I can maybe we should talk a bit about the the negatives of the podcast, uh, Max. Sure. And one huge negative is just the nature of the medium, in the sense that we have a very interesting conversation with someone. Usually, we record you know two, three, four weeks in advance before it's published, and then it gets published, and you kind of don't really, you don't get a lot of feedback, you know, about, about what people thought about it. And very occasionally someone will, you know, on social media, someone will comment or something, or, you know, months later at, at an in-person event, someone will say like, oh yeah, I listened to that episode. That was interesting. And so you have to bring a lot of energy to the process to sustain yourself kind of across this, you know, this desert of, of, of non-feedback, right? I don't, I don't know what, what you guys think about that or how, what your responses to that are. Yeah, I think you're talking into a void. I, yeah, there's just no... And it's weird, right? My, my wife says to me, who, who on earth listens to you? And, the, yeah, and I go, well, quite a few people. But then I think, I don't really know. You know, it's, it's a strange thing. Um, and every now and then I... I meet somebody and they start talking about the podcast and I go, oh, people really do listen to this. You know, I mean, it. You know, I don't think it's a numbers game. Certainly not for me, it's not. It's not about do 10,000, 100,000 people listen to the podcast. I don't care. You know, I mean, if a few hundred people listen to the podcast and really enjoy it and 
want to listen to the next one and the next one and the next one. That's fine, you know. I mean, but I agree with Ed. It's really difficult when you're just talking into a void all the time. Do you get feedback, Max? Um, so, first of all, I can imagine that it's very different from the events where you get, like, live reaction of people and you get to grab a beer after. Yeah, to be honest, this is one of the... Sorry, polar, go ahead. Polar, polar opposites in that regard because yeah, exactly. the events yeah, 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 are yeah. so social. For me, there's... I think podcasting is one of the mediums where th- we're making it as hard as we can for <laughs> ourselves. There's no way to... There, there's no comment section on a podcast. People can go on the website, download the MP3 file, and then listen to it maybe a month later, and we don't know anything about it, which is part of the really cool thing about it, is that it's very easy for anybody, the the barrier, there's no platform that's gatekeeping it or something like that. But it also means that it's very hard to hear back from, from people. This is one of the reasons why I started putting things on YouTube as well, is that it has this built-in area where people can give feedback, can uh, give a, a comments, and, and people do that. Now it's a lot more work to, to do this. Not the only reason I do it is because I love watching to conversations as well. Uh, but it's been it's been pretty tricky. Yeah, um, I'm starting to hear a little bit left, right, and center uh, on social media. For example, I've had people reach out to me as well, but it's, it's very small and it's usually much later down the line. Sometimes it's like a year later or something like that. And so one of the things I want to try to do a little bit more is go to events, go where people are because that's where people talk to each other. I, if I think about my own consumption of the internet, I read, I listen, I watch so many different things and I might enjoy them very much, but the barrier to, oh, I'm going to reach out to this person and say that I really like what they're doing is really high. It has to be like phenomenal uh, because it takes a lot of time to say, I'm going to sit down and you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to write an email to this person saying I like what they do. I could be doing so yeah. many other things and the friction is very high. Yeah, that never so happens. I, I, yeah, exactly. But if you go grab a beer with someone, they're like, oh, hey, I recognize your voice or something. And so this is kind of what I'm trying to do is just go where people are a little bit more, but it is, it it definitely is a little bit uh, trickier. So I, I was having lunch in Tel Aviv with the two guys who were about to start, um, Geomob Tel Aviv. This is a couple of years back. And, um, and one of the guys who I'd met, briefly in a work meeting a few years prior to that um, we're sitting at lunch and he says it's amazing to hear your voice in real life right because I listened to you on the podcast and it was one of the first times that I had face-to-face connection with somebody that I didn't know very well um, and they were giving me feedback on the podcast so it's it's a strange one. I think you just have to accept that people are listening, they are enjoying, but it's not a feedback mechanism. And the other thing that I was thinking about as you were saying that, Daniel Maxwell, although, is that a lot of our episodes and all of your episodes are not time-bound. You know, 
there's an interview with, I don't know, a developer about a project or an artist. Um, it might have been recorded in 2021, but it's just as relevant today if you're interested in that person or you're interested in artists talking about cartography, you know. And the same with, with the people that you interview. We rarely do stuff that is sort of time-bound. Um, you know, occasionally, you know, when we interviewed... Um, Mark Priolo about the launch of Overture. That was quite time specific, but um, because it was just, it was planned to come out just as the the launch happened. Um, but most of the episodes are not time specific. Um, I think that's one of the cool things about this format is uh, the internet is still pretty young in many ways, and some of the best blog posts, for example, are, are timeless. There are some really good blog posts that still come up every now and then, and that are very interesting because they're rooted in a, in a different time, especially when we're talking about developers and things like that. It's a world that moves incredibly fast, but I think there's value in having these time capsules, basically, these snapshots in time where this is how this person was at this specific time. And even if the examples might move forward, I think it is nice that these things have a very, very long shelf life. I, I think it's actually quite refreshing in many ways that it's not the thing of right now and a week from now, it's irrelevant. I think there's actually something nice to what you were saying, Ed, that you can record a conversation and put it out a couple of weeks later, and it's still just as relevant. There are many things online today where that is not the case. If you're two weeks later, the everybody just moved on and it's not relevant anymore. I think it's there's something nice about this medium being a little bit slower in a way. The fact that there is no... What I thought you were talking about, Stephen, was the fact that each conversation doesn't have to fit in a specific, uh, in a specific format. That if, if it goes a little bit beyond the half an hour, the 45 minutes, well, we just go a little bit beyond. And I, I think there's something a bit organic about that. It's more raw in a sense. And I've enjoyed some of your conversations together where you talk about what's going on and maybe yeah. you had planned to talk about two, three topics and one of them becomes a little bit longer. And I think that's, that's nice actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I was listening to some professional podcasters talking about this and uh, being the freedom that they have to run long or run short, the, not the need to fill a 30-minute slot or a 60-minute slot, and that's great. But also, the you know, we're not time-bound. I meant we're not time-bound because we're not trying to be instant use. Um, we're not looking to publish an episode that's reviewing the events of the week or something. Um yeah, it's not like a, a news podcast. Though occasionally we do. Um, you know, occasionally when Ed and I are talking, we we like to look at what's been going on in the geo world and comment on that and, you know, you know stuff about whether Google Maps has got better or worse, whether what's going on in the OpenStreetMap community, um, you know, all of the sort of politics and business of geo that fascinates us. But... Um, even that stuff can sort of hold for a week or two. It's not like we're trying to be breaking news ever. Um, yeah, I do want to say 200, like, congrats. It's it's really a lot of work. Um, and 
I think there's value in making things that last. I think it's very tempting to start new projects, but there's uh, there's value in just keeping on yeah. keeping on. And I have a lot yeah. of respect for that for you And guys. sometimes it's a grind. You know, sometimes it's a yeah. grind, it's not easy, um, and, you know, you have to sort of make the effort to... Uh, to send out the invites, to find the time slots and all of that. It's not something that you can just, you know, it doesn't always come easy. And then there are times when you're just having so much fun doing it, you know, and we've talked a lot about how we do this and everything. What we've not talked about maybe is how much fun it is, you know. It's just great, you know. You get to talk to people. I mean, I love talking to people, you know. I love talking, I love listening, um, so let, let me ask you, have you guys felt like doing this for 200 times, you know, start getting into the, the flow and the process of it? Do, do you feel like you've learned anything outside of just the podcast? Has it helped you for anything else? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> yes, I think it has. I think it has quite a bit in that you, you see both very uh, positive and negative examples of people who are able to convey their project well. Um, and you see, I don't know, for me, the main learning that I keep coming back to is everything can be very interesting if you're enthusiastic about it. You know, no matter how dry, how technical, how back-end, if you are enthusiastic about it, and you, you, you can make it exciting. And that is so cool when you see someone who brings passion and pride to whatever they're working on. And so that's something I try to think about quite a lot. Again, also, th there are many, many mirrors to, to my day job with OpenCage in that it's a boring, dry, back-end process. And so, we're, you know, it, it's a needed service. The customers happily pay for it, and they like what we do and, and all of that. But day-to-day, -day, there, there are definitely days it can get boring, and, uh, you know, and someone reports some obscure bug, and you're just like, oh, my God, how am I going to deal with this? But... It, you know, I try to think about how do we keep the passion and how do we, we not just have the passion internally, but convey that passion. And, um, and we do that by things like, you know, doing, we have a, a, an online trivia contest, geos, geo trivia contest we do once a month or whatever, or um, on social media, we do these threads about the quirks of what's interesting about geo and things like that. And, you know, if you are able to, to have that passion and to communicate that passion, that's a very powerful combination, I think. So I, I'd say that's the main lesson I've taken from it. So I think what I've, I've learned two things, probably. Um, I've become a better listener. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time talking and presenting and selling and you know I am at least outwardly really confident at standing up and talking I say outwardly because I'm not sure that the front is what's going on inside always but um I'm not necessarily being a great listener and I think doing the podcast has really helped me to shut up and listen um the other thing that I realized just as you asked that question, Max, 
is that I've done quite a bit of mentoring and I'm not very good at it. I mean, people want me to mentor them because I'm good at business, I'm good at geo, but I'm actually not very good at mentoring. Um, and that sort of comes out in podcasting, you know, because you get people who are nervous and uncomfortable and you're trying to coach them a little bit beforehand. And doing the podcast has helped me to actually get a little bit better at that um, and realise that you can't, you can't encourage people by force of your personality. In fact, that's almost the opposite of what you need to do. You know, if you use sort of, of course you can do this and sort of, you know, look how easy it is sort of thing. I mean, that's just terrifying for people. So you have to learn how, how to coach and encourage people, particularly, you know, some people. Um, I'd say, to be honest, probably you know, a lot of the women speakers are more nervous than the men speakers. You know, that's just the reality of where we are in tech. Um, so those are things I've learned from it. Um, Why do you think you're not good at mentoring? Why am I not good at mentoring? Because what I immediately want to do is jump in and solve people's problems and tell them what to do, right? Rather than what a mentor needs to do, which is reflect and encourage people to think through their problems and come to the solutions um, themselves, um, to make the decisions themselves, you know. And um, I'm too much of a doer and I'm not a great advisor, um, That won't stop me mentoring people. It just means that I'm not very good at it. I think you're selling yourself a little bit short there, Stephen. But um, but your point is well taken. It does. It, it, in some ways, the podcast is a is a humbling experience, and that exactly you have to learn to listen. Yeah, and but it's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, I think you know. I just want, I'm not sure whether we said this before the recording broke up and poor Fred is going to really work overtime to make this episode come out and sound anything like decent. But, you know, we've talked about the challenges of putting on a podcast. It's enormous fun. It's enormous fun. I love doing it. I love talking to people. I love hearing their stories. Um, yeah, I love the journeys that people have been on. I mean, my favorite question at the beginning is, tell me about your journey in geo. And people tell you these stories and you think, wow, it's amazing how you got here. You know, they're fascinating, you know, and that's wonderful. I love it. What do you guys think is the, is the future of uh, Geomob? Like if we look ahead, you know, we've reflected a bit on, on, the past 200 episode, what are you guys excited about or what, what comes to mind when you look at, okay, the next few years or few hundred episodes? Well, clearly the goal has to be global domination. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anything else would be. Um, uh, yeah. The, I, I kind of had that but, sense as well. No, in seriousness, <laughs> I don't, it's, it's, it's a bit of a conflict because on the one hand we say, you know, the, It's all about how do we how do we build a system that's easy to maintain and and uh, low friction and and we just kind of keep going um, and that's that's kind of what we've done with the events. Nevertheless, we have tweaked it over the years and we have, for example, with the events. You know, in the last couple of years, we've expanded to many more cities, which has been wonderful, absolutely so cool. I mean, it's been amazing to go to these different cities and see meet the local people and and see the the community expand. 
So I do think we have to keep thinking about how do we keep it keep it fresh with the podcast. And I have to admit there are times there are times it's so exciting and and we have a great lineup of volunteers who want to speak and and it's just kind of rolling week by week by week. There are times, you know, publishing every week it 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 becomes a it's a burden at times. Particularly if there are no guests in the in the list or, or people haven't volunteered and you have to start kind of actively trying to chase people and things like that. So, you know, we need we need to keep thinking about how do we simplify that or maybe expand the format or things, but the thing that I really want to keep is the is the mix of of guests, you know, not just you know the 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 great names of the industry, but how do we keep how do we get the hobbyists who are at the absolute kind of fringe and doing really weird things and how do we find I I always particularly enjoy the talks or the guests who are not kind of the traditional geo companies. I mean, of course, it's interesting what, you know, GIS companies are doing, but I'm much more interested in how are the, the companies or startups or whatever that are using geo and don't really, you, companies that you wouldn't think of as a geo company. How do we get, how do we tell those stories and surface those stories? And very often it's kind of a, a you know, internal backend system. So it's maybe not obvious, always obvious that there's an interesting geo story to be told there. So how do we find better ways to surface those kinds of stories? Um, and the other thing that I, I always plead for, and I would like to have more of, is, you know, of course, people are very anxious to come on and, and um, tell us their success stories. You know, uh, you know, I had this idea, and, and it, you know, then we started the company, and, uh, you know, now, it, you know, we're a global unicorn or whatever. That's very cool. I think a lot more can learn, be learned also from the failures. You know, and so I would love to have more talks with people who are like, you know, here's what we did and here's why it didn't work. Uh, you know, it was too early or, we, you know, we thought the technology would be capable of this and it wasn't. And, uh, and most importantly, of course, what did we learn along the way? You know, we thought, we thought people would want to use things this way and it turned out they don't. And, and what can we learn from that? I think there's a lot that can be learned from that. I, I get that not everyone is eager to volunteer to tell us about their big failures or whatever, but but I really think we they should, you know, because that's where the learning happens. So I would love to have more talks like that. So I think um, that what the next ten years hold, we need another voice. Um, we probably need one voice, two voices. Um, the way to sustain a volunteer project is to get more people involved. It's to share the burden. Um, and Ed and I have shared this this podcast for, for three and a half years, 200 episodes. Um, going forward, if we're going to get to 500 episodes, we probably need a couple new voices joining us so that um, the, the load is shared more evenly. Um, I know with Mappery... Uh, I started Mappery with Ken Field, uh, and for the first six, nine months, it was great. It, you know, it was just the two of us. And then work pressures gradually meant that he was stepping back and being less active. And so I was running Mappery on my own for about a year and a half or two years. Um, and it was hard work, you know, and you kept worrying about getting a post, so many posts a week out and everything. Um, 
And then Arno joined me, and then a bit later, Dan joined us as well. And having extra people sharing the load makes an enormous difference. It's it's impossible to explain how, how important it is in any volunteer project. So I think we'll need new voices. Um, this voice is getting old um, and probably, you know, at some stage is going to want to sit smoking his pipe and reading his book in a corner um, and doing less talking. So I think we need new voices. I also, I've had this idea, which I haven't really pushed forward with but which is to get a portable recording thing you know i mean they're not that expensive the technology that you can take out with you a portable recorder and actually to go out to events and try and find people at events and record short episodes short interviews with people um spontaneously you know with no preparation at all um and I'm quite keen to try that and just see what we can do with that, because I think it might be fun. Because um, I think we need to do some different, you know, we do need to probably look at how can we change the format a little bit occasionally. Not abandon what we're doing, but try some new things as well. I agree with that. Um, so, as always, if anyone wants to volunteer to... to you know, become one of those new voices, please get in touch. If you, if people want to volunteer to be a guest, please get in touch, please volunteer other people. Um, yeah, more, more hands make for light work. So anyone who, who wants to get involved, please do. What about you, Max? Oh, I, I, it's kind of funny that you were mentioning the recorder. I, I do that. Uh, I, I try very, I try to get more people in person whenever I can. Uh, but it's a it's a whole thing. Usually, it takes a whole day to get one uh, interview, so it's a it's a lot of time commitment. But it's uh, it's not going to a conference or something like that. But I really like doing it in person with people because there's the all the before and the after and getting to really meet the people rather than we're going to record this in between two meetings and emails. And I, I think there's something about sharing those conversations like that. Um, it's to me it's a little bit foreign to kind of hear you guys talking because you're also two people doing this and that just blows my mind uh that it's it can be run by two people um but yeah i, I can i think it's it's uh we're running things a little bit differently and i think that idea of this volunteer project and having new people come on board i think that's really cool it's probably a little bit tricky to find people who understand like how much work it is in behind the scenes. Um, yeah. yeah. But you can mentor yeah. those people, yeah. right? Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say we, all, we, all, we have the recipe now. Um, it's like when we, we've, you know, we've been yeah, very yeah. fortunate over the last couple of years to add new cities to the events. And um, a big thank you to everyone who's come forward there and wanted to run GeoMob in, in their local community. But we, we, you know, we have a recipe that people can follow. Um, and if anything, what we've seen there is one of the challenges is people want people want to do too much work, and we always have to kind of dampen the. And I always have to explain to them like, do less, do less, do less, so that you, so that you can so that it's sustainable. You know, people people volunteer and then they say like oh we could do this and we could do that and we could you know we're gonna have food at the venue and and all this kind of and like 
don't do that. Lower it down. Lower it down and, and focus on the bare essence of you know, making the event fun and sustainable. Because otherwise, otherwise you're going to do one big event and then you're going to stop. Yeah. And, and likewise with the podcast, you know, we, we have the recipe of, I believe, how to make it sustainable. Um, which isn't to say that we don't need to keep tweaking and, and uh, improving. But um, I think if someone, at this point, it, it is, we, we have the pattern. So we, you know, I think a new person could get involved fairly, fairly quickly and be, be productive. I think it's like many projects. Like you want to get the MVP out before you get anything else. So the minimum viable product. You want the bare bones thing that stands on its own before you add the, the bells and whistles. And I think it's probably the same when you're running an event and the same when you're communicating out to the world like this with a podcast or a blog or whatever it is. I, I think there's a lot of value in writing those ideas down and then after having a few reps seeing, okay, first of all, does this work? Does this MVP work? Does this minimum viable product get a response? And then slowly building up on then building the, uh, the the practice and that sustainability in, and then slowly turning that dial up. I also think it's important to recognize, and here comes a quotable moment, we are not the BBC. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, really, we're not the BBC. Yeah. So we don't have sort of massive books of broadcast practice, broadcast guidelines, all of that. Um, you know, we're a little podcast, and that means that when a new voice, you know, we try different things, you know, like we were saying before, Max, you know, we can run long, we can run short, um, we can publish two episodes a week if something big happens and we want to get an episode out quickly. Um so, you know, somebody comes on the podcast and we want to try something new, that's fine. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine as well. Yeah. You know, the people who listen to the podcast have been through the best part of 200 episodes. They're sort of, they're with us for whatever reason. The people who are following us are with us. Uh, thank you very much to everybody who listens to the podcast. One episode doesn't quite go the way we expected. It's okay. It's all right. You know, we're... We, we're not looking at um, this as, you know, we're not concerned about ratings or anything, but equally, um, this is a conversation not between us and our guests only. It's a conversation that we're having with that audience that's out there. You know, although they're not talking back to us, they are part of the conversation and they know that some things don't, don't go right every time. So that's okay. Um, and it makes it easy, I think, um, as Ed says, we've got a formula now. Um, you know, if, if you came onto our podcast as a third host, um, we'd sit down with you and in an hour you would know everything you needed to know to start recording a podcast. Um, it's that simple. Um, and the first one, you'd be nervous. The second one, you'd feel, oh, this is okay. But the third one, you'd be enjoying it. Um, so if you want to be the next voice, not you, Max. Well, if Max, if you want to be the next voice, you're welcome. <laughs> but I think you've got your own project. If somebody out there wants to be the next voice, come and join us. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think the back to what you guys have learned, I think that is one of the reasons why I would encourage people to give this a try at least is that well, you get to meet a lot of people, but you also learn 
about you know, listening better a little bit, asking better questions. What does it mean to sit down with someone and have a conversation? I think there's a lot to learn there as well. And it's a, it's a great experience. Well, the other point I would make, Max, is one trend that we see again and again and again through the events over the years, and and I, I don't think this is unique to geospatial, but I think it's more of a technical problem, you know, that in the the technical community in general is there's such a natural instinct to think, oh, you know, if I if I build the better mousetrap, the world will come. All I need to do is solve the problem a bit better, and then everyone will see that, and it'll be a success. And it's really not the case. You know, you need to learn not just to, of course, build a better mousetrap, but then to talk about it, to promote it, to, to, to have the conversations, to tell the story, to, to sell it, to convince it, to convince of, of, of why this is better. And this is an area I think everyone in the, in the technical and particularly in the geospatial community, you know, can still do a lot better in, all of us. And tools like the podcast or speaking at the events are really so critical uh, for, for doing this. And, and, and so this is why I encourage everyone to be a guest, to be a speaker. But of course, for anyone who wants to, to get involved in helping us you know, run a local event or to be on the podcast or whatever, you know, our community really needs these kind of people who are kind of the storytellers and the, 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 the aggregators and the communicators. It, it's so necessary. Because you know, there, there are so many interesting new mousetraps, but they don't, they don't succeed. They don't <laughs> succeed, right? Because, they, because the, the, they haven't figured out how to tell the story. And I think it is easier than ever for anybody to speak up in a way, but that means that there's also more noise. There's a lot of noise. And there's so the noise, so. maybe you know, 50 years ago, if you made a great mousetrap, well, you might have been the only person to be able to pull it off. So there was only one. But now you guys have talked to 200 people, maybe a little bit less because there's episode with you. But but I think just that number, like thinking about that, like all of these people have a different project and they're working on something that starts to be very hard to keep all of that in in mind. And so there's a lot of people that are trying a lot of things, which is really great. But it makes the problem now not just making a great thing, but making people pay attention and and really understanding why would they pay attention when they have so many other things they could be doing. Yeah, there's there's an immense amount of noise. And that's why I think anyone who can build the skill to actually tell the story, that's such a valuable asset. And I think just reflecting on the people who've come on the podcast, it's not the... It's not all. It's not the projects that make good podcasts. It's the people. And I, your podcast, Max, they're all about the people behind the projects, not the actual projects. I know they talk about the projects. That's the framework. But what's interesting is the people, and it's the same on our podcast. You know, the people are interesting. And as Ed says, you know. If you're going to succeed in your project, whether it's a voluntary project or a, or a business project, you have to be able to communicate it to people because there is so much noise out there. And uh, storytelling is, is a skill that we can all learn. Everybody can learn it. And the podcast is an opportunity to hone your skills in storytelling. Um, yeah, ultimately, you have, you've normally only got 
15, 30, 60 seconds to tell your story about your business. Start off telling that story in 30 minutes and then gradually learn how to take it from 30 to 20 to 10 to 5 to 1. Um, I mean, that's the way that you do it. You don't start off writing a one-minute summary of your business. You write a 30-minute summary and then shorten it in again and again and again. And there's me mentoring. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask, like, I, I was, I was going to, I wanted to close by asking, like, if you guys had advice for, like, anybody who wanted to start a project, be it not just a podcast, but, uh, yeah, I think a community project or even, I think, a business in many ways. But I feel like, the last 20 minutes have been a lot of advice already. Um, but is there anything that comes to mind, like to the people listening, you know, be it in geo or maybe something else back to the mentoring side? Well, I mean, simpler is better. Keep it simple. Otherwise you'll, you'll eventually give up. I mean, to make it, make sure it stays fun and simple and then you'll, then it, it will be much easier to find the endurance. Whereas if it's complicated and a lot of work, you're not going to endure. I 100% concur. But I'd also say be open to failure. Um, you, if you only start projects that you think are going to succeed, you'll miss the great opportunity. Um, and it's okay to start a voluntary project and it fizzles out after three months. It's okay. Nobody's lost anything. Move on. Try something different. You know, but just try things and go for it. Because if you, you worry too much about failure, um, you'll never do anything. And that applies to business as well. You know? um, so that would be my advice. Sounds like pretty good uh, mentoring advice there, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that stuff. <laughs> okay. Max, you've been fantastic. You've put up with us you've coaxed us we've had some tech shit today that um us podcasters know this stuff happens occasionally um you've been great thank you so much um to the people out there who are listening to us minds behind maps is a brilliant podcast it's it's different to what we do um but it's it's really brilliant it goes deep and it really is about interesting people so i've can't recommend enough that you subscribe to Max's podcast as well as ours, of course, because you're already here. Otherwise, you wouldn't be hearing this. Um, Ed, congratulations on 15 years of GMOB events, 200 episodes of the GMOB podcast. Um, it's been a great journey. Looking forward to the next few years. Thank you very much, Stephen. I am as well, and I look forward to celebrating. Next week, I'll be in London for the GeoMap London, and we'll celebrate then. Congrats also, of course, on five years of Mapery. That's uh, also no small accomplishment. Um, yeah, Max, thanks a lot for taking the time to, to help us have this discussion. Maybe we'll do it again when we hit 400 episodes, or, or when you hit 200 episodes. We'll, we'll, be, we'll interview you. Um, to, to everyone listening, I, I have two requests to close with. Um, first of all, I, I might have mentioned this before, but please volunteer. <laughs> please, please volunteer to, to come on the podcast or to speak at an event. Um, uh, uh, th that's the only way that the GeoMob works, is if we have the volunteers to tell their stories. Everyone has an interesting story to tell. It, maybe it's of a great success, maybe, maybe it's of a setback or failure, but in, in all cases, there's something that we can learn. 
So please do volunteer. Um, and the final point is, please, if you have any feedback about the podcast, please let us know whether, again, whether it's positive or negative. Um, as, as we discussed briefly earlier, it is kind of talking into the void. So um, it would be great if you, if you could share with us you know, what you like, what you dislike, what we can do better. Um, yeah, please let us know you're out there listening. And thank you. I just want to congratulate you guys again on, on 200 episodes of these. I think sometimes it's... Maybe on the outside looking in, it's easy to think, oh, it's just two dudes talking, uh, maybe interviewing to a few other people here and there. But it, it takes a lot of work not to do it once, but to do it over and over and over and over and over again. And so I have a lot of respect for what you guys have built uh, over the years. 200 episode is, uh, again, like a really big milestone. And so I just want to thank you guys uh, like congratulate, sorry, you guys on that. And yeah, just mention that I have a lot of respect for what you guys are doing. Thanks, Max. One final point, Max. I absolutely insist at some point you were going to have to speak at a GeoMob event. <laughs> so I'd love to. Yeah. You were, you were going to come to London or, or Berlin or wherever, wherever is convenient for you. Um, and, uh, yeah, we would love to have you at some point. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, London or Berlin should be a uh, relatively easy. Great. Time. Look forward to it. I look forward to it as well. Okay, have a great day, everyone. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. Thanks for listening, and hope to see you at a geomob event soon.